Proverbs 14. <laughs> Do you have a victim to come with you yet? Is there a teenage victim that would like to read half of Proverbs 14 with this guy so he doesn't have to read the whole thing? They don't know that. I already said you don't have to read the whole thing. But. Christopher? Is that, oh, oh, you got Look. Look, you have a friend. We have friends. All right. Wow, that is the micro Bible. I can barely read that, man. Look at that. That's the old man Bible. Um, this is just the generic church ones you bought. Oh, generic church ones. Yeah, they're cheap. That's a cheap one. We're going to have to upgrade that. Uh, kids, before you go to Kinks, kids, I want you to see this is why you stay in school so you can learn to read. <laughs> All right? So they, they can read the Bible for themselves. So after they finish reading uh, the scripture for today, then I'll dismiss the Kinks kids. So hang tight for just a minute. We're going to read together Proverbs 14. Graydon is going to read. How far are you going to go? I guess verse 18. He's going to go to verse 18, and then Jaslyn will go 18 to 35. Okay? She got it? Game on. So Bible on the podium. Step right up to the microphone. Follow along in your Bible, Proverbs 14. Go ahead. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. By the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. When there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. A faithful witness does not lie, but a false, false witness breathes out lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy for a man of understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet with words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Fools mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoys acceptance. The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tents of the upright will flourish. There is a way that seems right to a man, but, it ends, but its end is the way to death. Even in laughter the heart may ache, and the ends of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will always be filled with the fruit of his ways, and a good man will be filled with the fruit of his ways. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is relentless, is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devises, and a man of evil devises hate. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteousness. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not go astray who advise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. In a multitude of people is a king's honor 
but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has refuge in his death. Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. Excellent. Thank you. You may be seated. King's Kids, if you are in second grade on down, thank you for listening to the scripture reading with us. King's Kids, you are dismissed. We have a junior church for second grade on down. If you want to stay, you can stay. If you want to go, you can go. They've got a lesson planned for you, usually a little snack and a drink to get you through. They look a little hesitant today. They, they want to read? They can stay. That's fine. Last week was rough. Last week was the uh, floodlight approach. We said something about every verse in Proverbs 13. This, this week is going to be more the, the spotlight. Last week was the flood. This week's going to be the spot. We are not going to talk about every verse in Proverbs 14. Can I get an amen? Amen. So uh, thank you for your patience last week. Just trying something new. It was, it had its ups, it had its downs. Had some good feedback. So what I'm really focusing on this week is a verse that jumps out to me in Proverbs 14. It's going to be the springboard for the rest of the sermon. It's Proverbs 14, 12, which reads, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right but it leads to death. There is a way that seems like it makes good sense. It's going to be profitable. There's a way that seems right to us in our human understanding. But we can't see the end from the beginning. We don't know how other people are going to react. We don't know what circumstances God has already laid out, organized. We don't know, even know our own hearts. So the ways that we think of on our own, by ourselves, its end is the way to death. And that scares me. Am I always doing what seems right to me? Am I only thinking about what seems right to me? Am I addicted to what seems right to me? We have to be careful that the, we do not listen to the voice of our own head. We cannot be a people who say we believe in God, but then do whatever we think. It will kill you. It may physically kill you, but it can also spiritually, emotionally, mentally cause a lot of hurt and a lot of pain when you are the only voice in your own head 
you're in trouble. Jesus has said, He has given us His Spirit. He speaks to us through that Spirit. Quick primer, reminder on the ways that God speaks. Number one, God speaks through His Word. God also speaks to us through our prayer life. He can help us feel uneasy about things. He can help us feel confident about things. He can help us, he can help us think through things as we pray. The prayer is not for God to figure things out. The prayer is us spending time talking to God long enough that he helps us unravel all of the things in our lives and he can bring clarity to situations. If we will spend time praying quietly with him, he helps us think straight. Sometimes it's an intuition, sometimes it's a feeling, but that's not the only way he speaks. Your intuition, your feeling has to go also with his word. These all work together, not apart. He speaks through his word, he speaks through our prayer life, he speaks through other Christians. Some Christians have a more valuable opinion than others, have more insight and wisdom than others, so it needs to be plural when you have things going on in your life and you need help, when you figure out your way is not working and you want God's way, you go to his word, you pray a lot, and you get the opinion and you, get, you outsource some of that. You look for what wisdom God has put into other believers, not self-help books, not people you don't know and haven't seen face to face. That eliminates a lot. Not somebody on TikTok, not somebody on Facebook, not a quick post here and a short there. You need to be face to face with other believers. That's the church. That's the power of our community. Other believers. But don't forget the last one. He also speaks through circumstances. God has called me to be a missionary. Great. He does call a lot of people to be missionaries. I've prayed about it. Great. My mom thinks that would be a good fit. My pastor thinks it would be a good fit. Uh, I went to Bible college. It seems like God is working everything out. It's going to be a good fit. It's going to be a good fit. It's going to be a good fit. Car accident. Can't walk. Can't talk. God can use circumstances to put you exactly where he needs to put you in rehab to not give up to show a nurse who's struggling that you still believe in God even when tragedy strikes it could be a silent witness and his word my prayers other people God holds the final card and everything. And he will play it. Sometimes it's a beautiful card and sometimes it's black. And it hurts. That's how God speaks. He uses everything in our lives to show us what we need. And we need to learn to listen. We need to learn to listen to... That, that's not, those, are not, those are not his voices. That is his voice. All of it together, working together in your life, can bring you clarity and help you avoid Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right 
to you, a human, but without God, its end is the way of death. The way of death. Okay, my question is, how can we find the way to life? Okay, there's the way to death. Follow myself. Or follow other people who aren't following God. Or just go with, God told me I need to do this. As is in his word? Are there people affirming that? Are the circumstances working now? God said you should, yeah, this, this is a popular one at Bible college. God said you need to marry me. God told me you're gonna be my wife. Like, that's funny, he didn't tell me. <laughs> that's funny, he didn't tell my dad. That's funny. You, you know what I mean? Just like, mm, uh, not everyone who says they have a word from God gets it right. I'm not saying they're all wrong, but, but sometimes the timing, the location, and the circumstances, and God's word can redirect that. Yeah, so how can we find the way of life instead of the way of death? We know the way of death. We're left to ourselves, it's the way of death. We need the way of life. In Proverbs chapter 14, I'm gonna look at three verses this morning that show us the way to life, and the first one is verse number two. Proverbs 14, 2. How can we find the way of life? Well, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord. Walk in uprightness. Whoever walks in uprightness, listen to the wording of this, because in my English Bible, walks in uprightness comes first, and then fear of the Lord comes second. But it's written in such a way that fear of the Lord is what happens in the person first, and then they walk in uprightness. Whoever is walking in uprightness, they're doing it because they fear the Lord. So the first step to finding the way to life is fear the Lord and walk in uprightness. Proverbs says this many times over, Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the, what? It's the beginning of wisdom. This whole book is wisdom literature. It's going to be full of the fear of the Lord. That's, that's not the first step. It's the only step. The primary step. The main thing. It's not even a step. The fear of the Lord is it. All the other wisdom, all the other ideas, those are steps that flow from the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the primary message of a lot of books in the Bible. Think of Ecclesiastes. <sighs> Vanity, useless, meaningless, vapor, mist, suffering, toil, pain. At the end, hear this, fear the Lord. Walk in His ways. Fear the Lord. Honor God. Listen to God. God is it. He's the first step. So start with the guide, not the journey. You can get so caught up in the details of your trip overseas. I'm going to eat here. I've researched all these places. I'm going to go all these places. And you can forget to buy your plane ticket. You, you, you need to... You, and then you, you set everything up over here in Europe and then your flight's unavailable and then the hotel's unavailable. Like you can get so bogged down in the details of life that you forget, you forget to go to the author of life 
and present your every way to him. To walk in uprightness means you are walking in the presence of God. Even when you're shopping at Lowe's, at Walmart, at Aldi. Do you shop in the presence of God? I forget to a lot and I buy some stupid stuff. Sometimes I do. And I buy less stuff. Sometimes I can't find something. Lord, I, I really need this for camp. Where, where is this? What's going on? Oh. Wrong shelf, wrong aisle, wrong place. God gave it. It was out, it was gone. There it is. That shouldn't be there. God moments. If you're looking for, if you're looking for God to show up, talk to him about everything all the time. That's what it means to walk in uprightness. Uh, Newsflash, you're not upright. Well, I walk on two feet. I'm not a knuckle dragger. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, this is not an anatomical discussion here. To walk in uprightness, even on a spiritual level, you still can't. You're, You're a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner till God makes you a saint. We only walk in uprightness when we are in Jesus Christ. He is our uprightness. You're only right when you have faith in God. This is Solomon and David and Moses. They're only right walking in uprightness when they are walking, and don't say the law. It's not the law. When they are walking by faith like Abraham, that's what makes you walk in uprightness. It's walking in Fear the Lord. Now you can walk in uprightness. You can walk in his presence. So to live by faith is to walk in the uprightness of Jesus, not in the uprightness of yourself. And that diffuses the pain of verse 12. If you only walk in your way, that seems right, you're gonna pay for it and it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be ugly. But the prescription, pill number one to swallow, fear the Lord, Walk in uprightness, not your own uprightness. That's the default, the way that seems right to you. His uprightness, the uprightness of God the Father. Now it's God the Son through the power of the Spirit. Well, how else? Is there anything else? Well, let me finish this point with this. To live by faith is to walk in the uprightness of Jesus. There's a period there but it should be an ellipsis. It could be a comma. It could be a dash. Because you don't do that once. You do it regularly. You do it repeatedly. You do it not even daily. Moment by moment. You have to stare at this mug for 30 minutes. Your mind is going to wander. You need to ask God for strength to stay awake. You need to ask God for strength to focus. Like, The foolishness of preaching. One person speaking to many people without a lot of feedback. It's rough, but it's the way God has ordained the preaching of his word. And you're going to struggle from moment to moment with thought to thought from hunger rumble to hunger rumble. Little person nagging here, little person wiggling here, person a few rows ahead of you wiggling, falling asleep. You get distracted by other people, you get distracted by other things. All right, stuff happens. 
To walk in his uprightness is to moment by moment, second by second, fight the good fight of faith to focus when God wants you to focus. And it's real. Man, it's real. It's hard. It's hard. But he helps. Point number two. How else can we find the way to life? We've got fear the Lord, walk in uprightness. Here's the second one. It's in verse 26. How can we find the way to life? Fear the Lord and find confidence outside yourself. Verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. In the fear of the Lord, there, there it is again. It's what jumped out to me in this passage, the uses of the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence outside of yourself. Your confidence is not all about what I have and what I can do because we've already dethroned you to have the fear of the Lord as the driving feature of your life. The fear of the Lord now gives you confidence outside of yourself. Another way to say it, followers of God are not confident in themselves. Followers of God are not confident in themselves because you can't be a follower of God and confident in yourself the whole way we are born again is by placing our confidence in the fact that Jesus Christ has taken the payment for our sin we're not confident enough to stand before God with our own sin and say let me have it the wrath of God will cast you into eternal darkness and suffering. To pay for your own sin is to live and die with self-confidence. To be born again and enter into the kingdom of God is to embrace the fear of the Lord and find your confidence in somebody else. Who, I wonder, who should I place my confidence in? Jesus. That's what he invites you to do to follow him, to commune with him. One more way to say it. Godly people are not self-confident, but spirit-reliant. Well, Jesus is gone. Yes, but he actually has sent the spirit of Christ into the lives of those who surrender to him. To those who have faith in Jesus, you have access to the throne of God through the Spirit of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Spirit. You have access to that. You're not alone. You're not living on your own. You don't have to do what seems right to you. You don't have to have confidence in yourself. We relinquish it willingly. You want to be free? Give it over to somebody else. And the Bible has a lot of examples of people finding their confidence outside of themselves. I think of Seth in Genesis. He called upon the name of the Lord. Didn't make a city and name it after himself like some other bozos in Genesis. His distinguishing feature is not what he tried to do, it's who he talked to. He made his life about calling upon the Lord. What a wonderful way to be remembered. Noah. Noah's not out there trying to come up with his own ideas on floating. 
I wonder if this floats. I wonder if that floats. It's never really rained before or flooded, but you know, I better be ready. He's not out there being confident in himself. He's following the plans given to him by God. Abraham was not confident in his own ability to save Isaac. He was confident in a God who he believed could raise the dead. David repeatedly affirms his confidence is the Lord. It's the Lord who strengthens his arm in battle. It's the Lord who can equip him to jump over a wall. It's the Lord who taught him to fight the bear, to fight the lion, to take out Goliath. David's confidence is not in himself or Saul's armor or the army behind him. I come to you in the name of the living God. Woo! That's confidence. That's living by faith and moving forward in your life with a confidence in somebody bigger than you. And a third verse. What's another way we can find the way to life and avoid the way of death? Verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. We spent several sermons talking about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not a bad thing, a scary thing. It's not about being scared. It's about being confident. It's about honor and respect the fear of the Lord and it's about this next phrase experiencing the fullness of life fear the Lord he's a fountain of life and this is the invitation to experience the fullness of God there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Don't those go together really well? Your way, his way. Death, life, choose. Listen to yourself, listen to God. Confident in yourself, confident in the Messiah he will provide. Confident earthly wisdom, confident godly wisdom. There's a way that seems right. There's also the fear of the Lord. Your way, His way. And the fear of the Lord sets you free. It is freeing. It is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. That, the picture that that paints in my mind should wipe away all of my childish understanding of the fear of the Lord. Hiding cowering, afraid. No, no, no. The fear of the Lord is confidence in the Lord. Bring it. Come. Be. Show up. Rumble. Make me tremble. Be holy. I trust you. Fear of the Lord is trusting Him. Write this down. The goal of life is not to avoid death. What do I need to do to get out of hell? What do I need to do to escape eternal punishment? What do I need to do? 
to avoid the way of death. Um, I phrased this as finding the way of life because the message of the gospel is not about avoiding death. Avoiding death, it's part of the message of the gospel, but the message of the gospel isn't avoid death. No, no, no. It's find life in Jesus. Discover abundant life through the Son of God. Avoiding death is not our primary motivation, or at least it shouldn't be. Our primary motivation needs to be finding the fullness of life in God. So the goal of life is to find God to be all-satisfying. The goal of life is not to avoid death. I've come that they might have life, abundant, full, overflowing. Jesus purposefully calls himself the river of life, the living water. He is the fountain that this fear in verse 27 is talking about. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. You could read that in front of Jesus and he would say, come and drink. Because that's what he said in John 7. Come and drink. And people did not get it. Because he was asking them to come and drink is Jesus' way of saying, believe on me, trust me, follow me, love me, love me. Peter, do you love me? Live by faith, feed my sheep. That, that's how it all flows together. The greatest commandment is to love God. And Jesus adds to that and to love others. The problem is you can't love other people without loving God first. Uh, think of a very difficult person in your life and don't act like it's hard to find somebody, okay? Think of a difficult person in your life for just a second. <laughs> some of you are like, done, I had that before you even said it. Couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, that. Some of you are like, wow, I just, I just can't think. Yeah, maybe it's you. You might be the difficult person. <laughs> if you don't have any difficult people to think of, we're all thinking about you. It's just the way it's rolling right now. But think of somebody really difficult. Here's the wrong way to approach the situation. Here's the wrong thing to say. How can I love them more? <laughs> They're not very lovable. And you don't have enough in that well. <laughs> How can I love them more? No. Can I set you free for just a second? As you grow your love for God, He will teach you how to love difficult people. If you struggle loving a difficult person, the problem is not the difficult person. It's you. You're terrible at loving people. The more, the more difficult people you have in the life, the worse person you are. Hear me. You're really bad at loving people. But the solution isn't to try to love people harder. The solution is to understand how much God loves you. That will change you. 
when you go to that well, fountain of life, it becomes easier to love other people because you realize he loves me. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about what they think or what they say. I just, all I have to do is care about them and love them, even if they don't accept it. <laughs> That's the beauty of that too. You can love them unconditionally, regardless of what they do or say. Stop trying to love people harder. Work on loving Jesus more. Well, then how do I do that? I read the Bible and I pray. Do you? Do you really? Or is your screen time greater than your God time? Do you spend more time preparing for work and success there than you do spend time with God and success there? It's really easy to figure out what your problem is because it's you. Your desires, your heart, your wants, your needs, your time, your money, your life. Are we seeing the connection here? You. The only common denominator in all the problems of your life is you. It's <laughs> just the way it is. You're the problem. And you trying harder is not the solution. The solution is Jesus Christ. And I don't say that flippantly, but I'm beginning to understand it more and more. Jesus is the answer. If we look at him hard enough, he provides the solution. If we read and study about who he is and his character and his person, we don't come to the Proverbs to look for fixes for ourselves. We don't come to Proverbs to look for fixes for our kids. We come to Proverbs to let the rod land on us so we can learn who God is and what he expects, who God is. And Jesus is the wisdom of God. We got that, right? We learn about him. We learn to love him. We sing to him. We give to him. We pray. We talk to other Christians about him. And then we begin to see him in every circumstance of life. And before you know it, you put together two or three years of living that way, constantly in his word, learning to pray more, learning to fellowship and learn from other believers, and learning to see him in all these circumstances. He is speaking to you in everything. He has never stopped speaking to you. You've just been running around, unplugging for this. Well, it's Sunday. He told me to listen. And then we go about doing whatever we want the rest of the time. That's not, that's not the Christian life. And all three of these points, the fear of the Lord is primary. Write this down. The fear of the Lord is loving the Lord. If you fear God properly, you love him properly. If you love God properly, then you fear him properly. They go together. <clears throat> Fantastic book on the fear of the Lord. Rejoice and Tremble by Reeves. I don't read much. I bought you a smaller copy. 
for, uh, I got 50, I think about 40 copies of this. What does it mean to fear the Lord? At the end of the service, come forward. Just get one per family. It's not a long read, but fearing the Lord is loving the Lord. And you need to, you need to anchor that. You need to correct the way you think about it. We need to get on the page of Scripture. To fear the Lord is to walk in the fullness of wisdom. To fear the Lord is to walk in uprightness. To fear the Lord is to find Him to be a fountain of life, the fullness of life. To fear the Lord is to find and place all of your confidence in Him and not yourself. Fear the Lord is the love of God, to love Him. Another way to say it, next line. To properly fear the Lord is to love the Lord. They go together, they're hand in hand. There is not an Old Testament way to have faith and a New Testament way to have faith. There's one faith. God is using Solomon to show us fear of the Lord is it. Jesus lived in the fear of the Lord and he loved it. He only wanted to do those things that pleased his heavenly father. We could even say Jesus feared disappointing his dad. How's that hit you? Jesus did not want to disappoint his heavenly father. He wanted his father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wanted to rely upon his father for every piece of food he put in his mouth. For every drink. For every footstep he took, everywhere he spent the night, he was leaning and trusting his heavenly father. He did not want to let his dad down for nothing because he loved the Lord with all of his heart, his soul, his mind, and his strength. You want to know how Jesus loved rascals like Peter, James, and John? It's not because he tried to love Peter, James, and John. It's because he loved God and God loved them. direct link when you know the heart of the father you can love the unlovable and it will change you even if it doesn't change them Jesus showed extreme amounts of care and concern and love for his enemies some of them converted some of them did not how can we find the way to life three points and three verses these are the only three places in Proverbs 14 that say fear of the Lord. Not quite. I found one more verse. And I can't even tell you how I found it because I'm using the ESV and it doesn't use the phrase fear of the Lord. Anybody in here, King James, New King James or NIV? It's there. What verse is it? 16. Miss Terry found one more. So did I. I had to take the long way around. You took the shortcut. Look at verse 16. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil. The word translated cautious right there is the word fear. One who is wise fears. Come on. Fears what? It doesn't say fear of the Lord. Hello, it's all over the place in this book. Whenever he, he, he's, he's not talking about being afraid. This is fear. So rephrase that. One who is wise fears the Lord and turns away from evil. There's your bonus point. Turn from 
evil. And I thought, what a perfect verse to end on. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. You want to prove that you love God to yourself. You want to show God how much you care about him. Turn from evil. You want to prove to God that your heart is not your own, that you've surrendered it to him. Turn from evil. What evil? All of it. But what about my favorite evil? That one especially. That one first and foremost. My habit, my addiction, my hang-up. Yes. Well, I've done it before. Do it again. Well, I think I've conquered that. If you say that, you probably haven't. It's just hiding under the rug. You haven't really thrown it away yet. It's lurking. And by the way, you're going to have to turn away from evil until the kingdom comes with Jesus. So this is also an ongoing command, an ongoing expectation, a New Testament truth to fear the Lord, love Him, have faith in Him, and then turn from evil evil stand with me let's pray bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second as i review something do you fear the lord as you should do you feel like you are walking in uprightness if not you know you're walking according to your own lusts and desires Repent. Turn away from it right now. Tell God He is right. Agree with Him that you are wrong and agree to turn away from that sin. Do you find yourself being confident in your own strength and your own abilities? Is your confidence in yourself right now, in your heart, in your mind? Humble yourself confess your pride and your arrogance confess your tendency to go through your daily life without consulting Jesus confess it right now that you don't go to him with your shopping list you don't go to him with your invoices you don't go to him with your HR problems you don't go to him with your mechanical problems you don't go to him with your every hurt emotion you try to handle it yourself confess that you are doing it wrong and then are you finding the fullness of life or are you just trying to avoid death don't live like the world the world is obsessed with avoiding suffering pain, and death. We need to be a people who are seeking Jesus and eternal life because sickness, suffering, and pain, and death is inevitable. But Jesus is greater than all these things and He promises to carry his children, his brothers, his sisters beyond this life. Do you know him? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we pray that you would deliver us 
from evil. Even when we forget to turn from it, even when we pursue it, deliver us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, through the conviction of your Spirit. We ask you to keep speaking to us through your Word. Teach us to pray. Help us to listen to others. And help us to see you in every circumstance of our lives. Trying, trying to work everything for good. When we love you so little. God, help us to love you more. That our sin would decrease. And our love for you would increase. Thank you for the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dirt Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus, for our sake you died. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory. to the King of kings. And the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath, till that storm was blue for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. 
And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born in the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of all shall not kneel, shall not faint. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forever amen amen you are dismissed <clears throat> <clears throat>